listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. The Leafs are sponsored by the Dairy Farmers of Montreal. The beautiful built packers will be sported on every Leafs jersey uh, from here on at least for the next Priority years. Um, and some big money involved as well. Um, if I don't have to raise that small, there's no other hats to put on. Okay, so my question though to you is we're all wearing jerseys that we bought that don't have a patch. What are your thoughts on the milk patch being on jerseys for fans to buy? And and not just with these, but any job You know, on the topic of jersey ads, I think it's one of those things that every hockey fan at first glance, you know will have a negative opinion on it because you look at the jerseys out in the European leagues and soccer jerseys is another great example, racing jerseys, racing outfits. Nobody wants the jerseys to end up at a point where it's just sponsor after sponsor after sponsor. So I think a lot of fans maybe, you know, knee-jerk reactions can be upset about it. But in the end, I think the Leafs couldn't have done better with that sponsor because the club, there's no clashing with the covers, so it's not like they went and got like a green logo or a jersey. Like that, that wouldn't work. It would make it look like a hat. <laughs> so, um, I think just the fact that it's literally just the word milk and it's white on and or blue. I mean, if it's on the blue jersey, I mean, I don't know how anyone can complain about that. Of course, there's always the jokes, and there, there's going to be endless material this year out of that sponsor. My favorite one, the one that I came up with so far, is uh, when we get eliminated in Game Seven. You can call that crime split. <laughs> You know, puns are they're, they're, yeah, and they're already they're already starting. They'll be, they'll be and these puns, dare I say, will be built throughout the year. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. no, absolutely. The reason I ask guys is because uh, recently we came down with a sponsor, uh, Bodcow, uh, some great products. But just a quick ad read from our sponsor, Bodcow, for this episode. The Maple Leafs got milky this season, and so should you. All year round, with quality products from dairy distillery and premium line of vodka. Taking excess lactose, the folks at Dairy Distillery have married artisanal distilling techniques with cutting edge science to create a clean, smooth product while reducing waste from dairy farmers. The same ones that sponsor our Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, by using milk permit gathered from over 3,500 Ontario dairy farmers and in collaboration with the University of Ottawa, vodka was tripled the still in their uh, Carl Hybrid skin to a purity of 96%. Diluted with spring water, Vodka's line of vodka products will bring to life in their flavor. From their award-winning vodka to their flavored cream liqueurs, Vodka has been drinking for every occasion, including their eggnog cream liqueur to spice up your holidays. For more details, head over to DairyDistillery.com to purchase your favorite flavors of the Bogcow line today. Bogcow. It's lactose and gluten-free, but it's the perfect drink for you and me. You came out swinging with that. The Maple Leafs got milky. You like that, right? I, was, I, wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. I mean, it kind of fit in with the whole talk there with the, uh, with the puns. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to start it off with it. Back to the cap, boys. Um, the cap where we are right now is the Leafs. I believe they're sitting at four dollars. I saw I saw a tweet from Cap Friendly the other day. There's two teams at zero dollars, and there's the Leafs at four dollars, and then there's one at like 161 dollars. And notice how difficult it is to get with, not only within a hundred dollars of the cap, 
but a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand of the cap. Lease and Prendon have managed to get within four dollars the cap. Now, you can tie it into the conversation of Malvin versus Robinson because we all agree that Robinson should be starting the year with the big club. Dennis Malvin should also be starting the year with the big club. They had to make a decision, and one of them meant that Robertson goes down because he's waivered. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on Malvin, Robinson, and the least captain for dollars? Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but it's a business decision, and it's one that is better off than you ever I mean, the way that I look at it to make myself feel better about it is consider the possibility of the Leafs getting at some point throughout the first few weeks. Had they sent Malvin down and he was claimed on waivers, all of a sudden, where's that forward you're going to call up for him? Obviously, there's other guys in the conscious room who are with Steve's. But the way they've got it now, if there's an injury in training, or sorry, they can easily call up Nick Robinson. He can go back and forth between the Marlies and the Leafs without having to worry about going through letters. And now they've got both of them to make a contribution to the team this year. And I've always thought that, it, you know, it doesn't send a good message to a prospect when he is clearly the best player in preseason. You know, he was near the top of the NHL in scoring at the end of the end of preseason. And he was, I mean, he looked great. He saw a shot on full display. When Austin Matthews says that this shot is the best on the team, the team that he plays on, and I think that means pretty good for us. But um, it is a business decision, and I think that I don't think that Leafs brass and Shelby teams are stupid enough to think that you know Robinson can't come up and contribute later on. I think they see what he brings to the team, and I think they know that he's played himself onto, onto the team this year. And he even said in preseason that there's not much else Robinson can do. Like he, he did everything that the Leafs asked him, and there was an uphill climb. You know, you remember we talked to David Alter from uh, Sports Illustrator a weeks ago. Yeah. And he, and he, uh, the word around training camp and the coaching staff is that Robertson didn't have that great of a rookie turn. And that's a, that's a tournament where he's one of the older players and he should have stood on his head and really, you know, for lack of a better term, he should have made that tournament his pitch. So he didn't do that, obviously. And because of that, we remember what David also said, you know, there's an uphill climb for him, and he has to not only play well in preseason, but he has to put himself above the other players who are vying for that spot. And that's what he did. He saw with his production. So I think that I think that he went out and did everything that Leafs brass asked him, asked him to do. And you know, it just it, it came down to the reality that not only the Leafs but other teams in the NHL are dealing with right now, where they're pressed up against the cap. COVID shutting down the league more or less for two years didn't, didn't help at all in terms of revenue. We're obviously looking at a big rise in the cap in a couple of years, so hopefully there will be less of there will be less of situations like these down the line. But I would not be shocked at all to see a forward moved out over the next month or two just to get Robertson back on the team because at this point the Leafs are looking for a dynamic top six forward who can slide into that top six. Maybe Dennis Malkin can be that guy. I know you were you were high on that trade. No doubt. I, I, got, I got to come up with something like a dare for myself to do if Molly outscores Mason Marshman this year. I'll, I'll come up with something. Yeah. If he does that, I'll, I'll do something. I don't know what yet, but I'll do something. Is there part of the family for me? No. I don't care. <laughs> if you don't like that, you're not cheering for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, I think that the Leafs see where Robertson is in his development and that, you know, he can, there's no harm in bringing him back to the AHL because he's 21 years old. People kind of forget how young he is. But, it's obvious at this point that he can make it. So I think that sooner rather than later, Robinson will be back on the team. I don't know who gets shipped out, 
to make room for him, but I can't imagine he's going to be in the age. I'm glad you brought up his age again because so many times in like even us we've talked about whether you know this is this is the make or break year for Nick Robinson. The kid's 21 years old, um, and I mean the Leafs don't know exactly what they have because they haven't given him that opportunity in a regular role at the NHL level. That being said, Peter, what are your thoughts on Melvin over over Robertson, and do we see Robertson come up very shortly? You know, obviously ending with the cap situation with this team. Yeah, it, it was a very difficult situation. I think Mitch Robertson not necessarily certain, um, but I mean, that product tweet by Kevin Patty tweeted out NHL NHL goalies right now probably have to face Mitch Robertson again. It's that. Uh, the place of Bradley and Matthew Stone to drive that. So we slick and try to start with where it's just it's preposterous, or that's preposterous. So NHL goalies, good luck. You're going to see a lot of goals from Nick Robinson. But obviously, I wanted to see him. I really did. I don't know why he was running away with that top six spot. Hindsight, who would see this coming? But you know what? Four dollars is four dollars. And the fact that you have the possibility of losing a 20, 40 points higher than small game this year, who I think, of I, I think you need to have a good time with Terry to ensure a spot in the top six, and I think he's going to run away with it right now. With Tavares and Nylander, the way that he had Terry and Nylander, especially, I think they're going to do great. But Robertson, the way that you can play, it's like, man, how can you not do it? Can, can we just take a second to reflect on the crispy goal that Malvin scored in the last preseason game in the words of Austin Matthews? It was a crispy goal. There's not, there's not too many other words that really yeah. fit the description of that goal perfectly, but crispy does it. But overall, tap-wise, like, it had to be done. I, like, yeah, you hate to make the waiver exam on you know, uh, excuse as reasons why, but why, I mean, without this, why would you risk losing Malvin? Just to keep Robertson in, you can have two terrific, pretty, well, not necessarily pretty, but players that had that work ethic and are smaller, but you just have sort of advantage in protecting the clock very well, getting to the middle of the ice. We'll do that exceptionally well. And in the end of an injury, you can rest sure that Robertson's definitely the team that first time that comes out of this guy. I guess, as much as I love that team, Bonnie McMahon, um, Curtis Douglas, who is now Marcus Holmberg. Marcus Holmberg, exactly. You have a lot of color options, but if you're looking for a process game, Robertson's going to be your guy. It's unfortunate, given the cat situation, if you do need somebody out, great, you lose that. Justin Holland is 2 million, that would definitely help out if you may give him a couple hundred thousand more from Robertson's contract. But yeah, it, it kind of like a win-win situation. It's serious, guys. He deserves every support, every opportunity. He showed that he could get everyone in front of the opportunity. He saw it, the player saw it, everybody saw it. It's just a good thing. The easiest way to make sense of this decision is think about it this way. With Robertson in the minors and Morgan on the team, if Morgan were to get hurt tonight, at least he can call it Robertson. Had they done it the opposite way and yet Robertson got hurt, you can't call it Dennis Wall because I guarantee you somebody claims him on the Or Vancouver Warriors. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Vancouver, Edmonton would claim him on the Or Arizona. Yes, yeah. apparently they want to screw him Or, or, and I wonder if they you upset, but what if that is insane? Dennis Morgan doesn't play have the same performance that he did in preseason. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> first, and then, the mic. In that alternate <laughs> universe kind of thing where we all we want to get to succeed. But in that alternate universe where maybe he doesn't have the same as he said he did in camp. Rest assured, 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, we have to remember that those rules are in place to help teams, you know, hold on to their commodities, right? Like, so often that was a cap, and, and how tight it is for a lot of teams because there are players like Matthews, like Tavares, who take up, you know, 10% of your cap. You're going to be, you need to find ways to keep those guys in the draft, otherwise, what's the difference in the pipeline just to not have it? Right? So, in that sense, I understand why the rules in place and why they need to send down Robinson. We all talked about, you know, preseason being. What does it mean, right? Is it is it something that they're looking at? Obviously, it means not because they send him like nothing. But it is a money situation and it is a business, and, and we just need to find a way to get it done and stay within within the cap constraints that they have, right? And, and that decision was, you know, keeping Melvin, keeping it possible to be goal score. And sending Robertson down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed off of this all year. <laughs> Do it. Twenty goals. <laughs> ten, ten. I, I, I'm just imagining a situation where we're at ten games left in the season and Robertson has ten goals, and we're just like, all right, one goal per game. Let's go, Dennis. Right. What would be worse if we had ten, ten games left? He's at nineteen goals and doesn't score for the remaining ten games. <laughs> that would happen. That was really pissed off the cheaper fan base. Twenty-five year old guy in the final score again. Twenty twenty-six year old Michael Bunting. Exactly. Then how how mad would you be from the other candidates? I'm just picking that in my mind right now. Or just like, oh, here we go again. Shane Wright loses the uh, loses the Calder Trophy to Dennis Mulligan. You know what man that year's got wrong? You know, you know what makes that even funnier though is the fact that Dennis Mulligan is like in no way qualified. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's already played the game. Yeah, right? so like, he's he No, that's what I'm saying. It'd be even funnier if he wasn't eligible for the league game. So they, they just said, screw it. We're getting into Dennis Mulligan. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my, my, big, my big thing is like, their whole issue has been in the middle six. They haven't had the scoring for the playoffs in the middle six. They haven't had the scoring for a year consistently in the middle six. Uh, you can argue that they had a great year last year, but obviously, you know, that was contract year, second half. He played well. Um, so I think the big thing now is just to see what you have in this You make the move, you, you trade with Mason Marchman. He had a hell of a year last year in Florida. Now he's off to Dallas, and, and you know, we'll see what he does in Dallas, but he made that move. You have to see what you have in Dennis Mullen. He's coming back from Switzerland. He wants to play at the NHL level. He worked his tail off to, to get there. Tore it up in two seasons over there. And he played a physical game in the preseason. And that's what they needed. They need a guy, even at his size, come in and play a physical field with a physical edge. That's what that's all about. So if they have that, um, you know, obviously Robinson, at some point we have to see what they have. And Hopefully that's going to be this year. If it, if it is this year, you have to get him into a consistent role. You can't bring him up with Bobby and send him back down. Because then you're going to put this kid into a mental press. I think he's going to be in the bars. Yeah. No, and then what's going to happen when Matthew Nines is Bobby Nines. He comes over here. Now you have Morgan, Robertson, Nines. Yeah, great problem. Yeah. yeah. I could just picture Lee Sprask being like, hey, Nick, yeah, buddy, I know that you're like a point and a half game player. In the Marley, on the Marlies, I need a great preseason. I know you've been wasting your season away with the Marlies, but like, Matthew Nice is here, buddy. You want to just like, just like <laughs> marinate in the minors? He's, he's not 21 yet. He's still very young. Yeah. Like, it's just like, well, so I have to do is like, oh, no, Matthew Nice is six foot three. Play more fiscal game, though. Yeah, you know what? I'd actually, on that note, I will mention that 
one of the things Sheldon Keefe said that Dennis Logan, among other players in training camp, had to do to really put himself ahead of the pack was not just play his game, but you know, forecheck hard, maybe try and use his body a little bit. I know he's a smaller player, but um, point is, he wanted to. They wanted Morgan to do more than essentially what he did in his eight games back in 2019-20. And he did that. I don't know if you guys caught it, but in the last preseason game, we like two chips in the corner on somebody who's definitely big. I can't remember who it was. He was throwing the body in preseason. His four-checking game was relentless, and I think that's sort of what's made me come around with Morgan a little bit more. Just, just the fact that this guy is out here and doing everything possible. He's going out of his comfort zone, essentially, and stepping into a bit of a different role than maybe he would have, maybe he would have expected. And I think he made great work. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can, what we can see out of Dennis Molly this year. Can tell you what we're going to see I would love to hear this. 20, 40 goals. <laughs> How many assists? What do you think he could be possible? I'd be happy. If he put 20 goals, I'd be happy with 25 assists. And, and you're, you're talking about maybe 10 primary assists, 15 centers. You don't want him to have the brand of very special where he scores 20 goals and has two assists. I mean, we got, we got William Nylander sniping from that from the top. And it's going to be a big confidence in that department as well. But he's, I'm, I'm also just going to throw this out there. I, I mentioned this to you earlier before we started, and even yesterday. If Dennis Maul gave me the equivalent to like Arturi Lekin and was for Colorado last season, <laughs> I already see him talk to like you right in a toxic role. I believe in like one of these games, he's playing alongside the kid. He's able to run away the toxic ball like we're already reckoning it and right energy and that offense. You, you, you don't need to like shop for a you know middle six forward. I mean, that's like you already got it. Even reckoning in Montreal. Yeah. He was probably incredibly underrated. I mean, what was the what was the hall thing? Didn't he get it? Justin Barron and I know Justin Barron and I think his second. Second. So I mean, I'll double check the trade, but I know Justin Barron and I. Montreal got away from him. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean. I personally think he was super underrated in Montreal. He came to Colorado and obviously had a great year and a great postseason with him, right? So worth worth thinking about when we when we talk about Dennis Mullen and what he could offer in his lineup. Now, we talked a little bit about Calder finalist, Michael Bunting. That is 84-year-old Michael Bunting. Still, still was eligible for the Calder Trophy. Um, and now we're talking about his next deal, because he's on a very team-friendly deal right now. Um, obviously, he's a pretty good deal. He's coming out of Arizona with still relatively good numbers. I mean, you talked about his, his second year for Full year, he played 20 games for Arizona in 2020-21. Had 13 points, 10 goals. Uh, came to Toronto on a on a very friendly deal. 79 games, 23 goals, 63 points, and as we mentioned, up for the Calder Trophy. Now this is his final final year of the deal. We're talking about what's next for Michael Bunting on a team where is very constrained when it comes to the uh, comes to the cap situation. Obviously, we know in 2025-26 the cap's going to take a major jump. But, Alex, there's been talk about a possible eight-year deal for this guy. Uh, just, to, just to clean up the AAV a little bit for him. Is Michael Bunting a guy you want to give an eight-year deal to? I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question because I am a bigger Michael Bunting fan than most. So bias is kicking in a little bit right here. But um, I do want him in Toronto long-term. You know, I think, and this is something that maybe people look over, overlook, 
in, in when it comes to players and taking hometown discounts and stuff. I think the fact that Michael Bunting, whenever he's been asked about his contract negotiations, it's always, always been something to the effect of, I love Toronto. I'm a Toronto boy. I want to be here. And I know that all players say something to the effect of it's that. It's home to Austin Matthews as well. Yeah, it's uh, honest. Yeah, true. It is, it is home to Austin Matthews. They're roommates. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, when you consider Bunting's story about how he's a, he's a Scarborough boy, Leafs signed him for less than what he probably could have commanded in free agency last year. And the one thing that stuck out to me as well was the quote that came out today when he said something along the lines of, I, I don't. I, I would like my agent, my my team, to start negotiating something mid-season. That's not something that you often see. Most of these guys wait to the off-season to start planning out their next contracts. But the fact that Bunting is already willing to have his contract negotiated, season hasn't even started yet. Like T-minus two hours, obviously. But it's just, it's just one of those things where when he, when he talks about wanting to be here and wanting to work out the details when he's already thinking about his next contract and the season hasn't even started, that tells me that he wants to be here. And in my opinion, you're looking at a guy who if he, I think a lot of it's going to depend on whether or not he can repeat his success from last year. I know you had a, you had a take on that as well. Um, I think as long as he, if, if he can hit 60 points again and play that role of the pests, you know, get into the middle of the scrums, maybe draw some penalties. He drew a lot of penalties last year, if I recall correctly. Top three, I think. Yeah, he was top three in the league. So I think he's a guy that the Leafs should do everything they can to keep. And over eight years, you know, I think it would be I think it would be amazing if the Leafs could get him to as similar to Yolda what uh, Victor Arvidsson got in L.A. I know he's not signed for eight years, I don't think, but Arvidsson's making, I think, four and a half million per year. And, you know, with Alex Kerfoot's contract being off the books this year, that's $3.5 million you can put towards bunting. And obviously there's going to be some other players that aren't returning next year. So I think the cap, the salary cap will be, the Leafs will be able to make it work with the money that they have. I just, I, I hope that they can get it done in that range of 3.5 to 4.5, maybe $5 million. I told Peter before we started recording that I'd go as high as six. And I think that's maybe, like I said, maybe With a little the cap bit of going up. You never know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, the, like I said earlier, the cap is supposed to be going up. He was supposed, supposed, supposed. Yeah, <laughs> you can't rely on the NHL for things like this. But yeah, um, if the cap goes up and you have the room to make it work, I think Bunting's one of those guys that it would be it would be really nice for the fans for for the marketing purposes and obviously for the team's purposes to have Bunting there long term. You saw what he did with Matthews and Marner last year, like. A lot of a lot of great teams in hockey have had a line. You know, you look at Pittsburgh in their in their cup runs. They had that uh, what was it, Hagelin Hagelin Benino Kessel, the yeah. HBK line. Uh, obviously, you got the uh, you had the kid line in Tampa Bay when they made their run to the Cup final. Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, and Kucherov. Um, you've got Boston's top line: Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak. I, you know, a lot of teams have a line like that. And I think Bunting is, based on last season, I think he did enough to cement himself into a role on that line. But, again, a lot of it's going to depend on if he can repeat his success this year. So you mentioned I wrote an article about how he can, you know, re- repeat his, his success in his second year with the Leafs. A while back I also wrote a piece about how Hyman was the fifth role or centerpiece to the, the core of uh, the Maple Leafs when he was obviously still with the Leafs. Is it a stretch to say that Michael Bunting is now the fifth core piece to that line? So he's now essentially the next Zach Hyman. 
I know that's a, that's a debate that everyone does not want to get into, but you know what? I, yeah. would, lo- I would love to get into it because I got some number <laughs> crunching here that I will I will throw your way. I can confirm. I would- you guys, you, you, everybody watching right now can't see what's on Forbes' back book, but he's got cap friendly pulled up. Yeah. So he's about to, he's about you, to make it. Right. It is cap friendly. <laughs> I just want to say that that is an interesting comparison for uh, Victor Robertson to Michael Bunting's next contract because everyone is saying Nick Paul with his three three $3.15 million contract which makes sense money wise but obviously Nick Paul's career high in points is 35 but 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 that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. Michael Bunting had a sar- far superior offensive season than Nick Paul there's no doubt about that but if the if Nick Paul was a- I mean Michael Bunting was able to settle on that three million great but if you're able to get him maybe in that four four point five like Alex mentioned that's going to be a steal for eight years, and even so, even if you think that that's a bit of a risk, considering the last three years, that's when he's on his decline or he's out of his prime, that's still a contract that's movable. It's not over five or over six where you need to retain salary. That's going to be a deal worth that could peak a team's interest where they need to get to the cap floor if he's on the decline, only if. But the way that he's played right now, the way that he's – he stayed relatively healthy too last season. So if he's able to maintain that, play with that edge, play with that intensity, and I believe we saw him on the power play being that net front presence. But if John Tavares is back and he bumps down to the second, still maintaining that presence in front of the net is going to be huge. And he barely got any power play points last season. Majority of his production was five on five. So if he's able to up that penalty uh, power play time – and get producing there even mid-season, if they still think that 4 or 4.5 is great for Michael Bunting, it's it's going to be great for both sides. Bunting gets, Bunting gets his increase. The Maple Leafs get a cap-friendly deal that tailors to them cap-wise. And you still have money to play with Marner, Matthews, when they become uh, free agents. Tavares may take a hometown discount as well because he may not be worth $11 million anymore. So even if you even give him up to five, who knows what can happen, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, a lot of talk was around that Nick Paul kind of deal. Sign him right now or sign him right now before he pops off again for another 60-point season. That way you have him for 3.5, 3.5 for the next eight years. That's going to become even more of a steal, especially in years three, four, five, six. I'm really glad that you mentioned the little power play shift that they're doing with Tavares bumping down to the second unit and bunting yeah. on the first, because I think, I think that was just because of the injury. But if that is the case, and yeah, it's I, be I hope they stick that. I hope yeah. they stick that way though, because if you notice a lot of last season, the Leafs used their power play one unit for like three quarters of the penalty kill. PP two would made it 20. PP yeah. two would come out and you know, they'd have like the last 30, 40 seconds or whatever to score a goal. But the point is, is that power play unit, uh, number one and power play unit number two, we're not getting deployed equally. Yeah. So I think that Tavares moving down to the second unit is a really good move for the Leafs if they do that because the second unit's not going to have Jason Spets anymore. And Tavares is a guy who I think that with the remaining, I guess you want to call them the remaining characters, I don't know who you're, who, who would round out the second power play unit this year, maybe Ker- Kerfoot, Matt Nalgan. Yeah, yeah, Kerfoot, yeah, Nalgan. I think it's good. I think it'd be good for them to have a veteran to to sort of um, keep the power play in check and like make it so that it's not just a bunch of chickens with their heads caught off running around. Um, and Tavares is a guy who we've seen in the past. He never, during most of his tenure with the New York Islanders, he never really played with star players all that often. He was often, he was often with a couple of guys who were good for maybe 40, 50 points a year. So it's not like he needs to be on that first unit with Matthews and Martin to produce. 
you put him in the buffer spot. He, he's a guy that can shoot still. He can be your guy in front of the net. I think he's a, I, I think he's better fit on that second unit, and maybe that way the Leafs don't have to put all that extra pressure on the first unit to get something done. They can sort of deploy him a little more equally. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, and, that, and this is strictly for the comparison with Zach Hyman. Michael Bunting, 63 points in 79 games last year, just seven power play points. Zach Hyman, who's earning 5.5 AAV over the next, well, six seasons now, but he signed for seven seasons in Edmonton, 54 points in 76 games last season with 15 of those points coming on the power play, playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So 10 of those points. Sorry, I think that says power play. Oh, sorry, you're right. 10 points, 10 points. So that considered, I mean, this is obviously Bunting is a guy that can command five and a half million. I guess my thinking is, and I, I've never been a, a fan of the long-term contracts. I, I like, you know what, you sign for two years, you earn your you earn your next contract. Right now, the NHL is so devoted to paying for what you expect them to do. Yeah. And if you expect a, bun- a guy like Bunting to put up 65 points every season, then yeah, I guess give him, you know, seven years at five and a half million. Sure, absolutely. But if, if Bunting's a guy that could have two really good seasons over the next two years, maybe 70 points, maybe 75 points, and then he's going to drop off after that th- that second year, then no, I don't want to sign him to eight years yeah. and, and maybe have a guy that you got to bury at some point or buy out, and then it goes against your cap. Right now, the Leafs have a clear cap when it comes to, you know, bought out players. Mm-hmm. You want to keep it that way. Right, so you don't want to sign these long-term deals unless, of course, we're talking about Austin Matthews, which then, yeah, <laughs> give him the bank, drive him over to the back TD the over check, here, and, check, and just you know? back it right up and give him whatever the heck he wants. Mm-hmm. But Michael Bunting, for me, he's a he's a slot-in player. He's a guy that you slot into that line, and yeah, he's going to make that line better. He's going to be the guy that goes into the the corners, just same way a Marshawn is, is in, yeah. in Boston. And that's not to take away anything from Marshawn. He he plays well, but. He's a slotter. You can slot somebody else into that spot. They're probably going to have similar success. Um, so, I mean, eight years kind of a stretch for me, but I wouldn't mind getting something done now. Maybe maybe in the five-year range, five-year, five-and-a-half, six-million, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And then you're not, you're not you know, locking yourself up long-term with a guy that has had one full season in the NHL. Yeah, well, like I like I said before, it could be a Matias Samuel situation where you just sign <laughs> seven years, the, thirty the Buffalo million special. after fifty four games. So. The Buffalo special. Yeah, you that that is the one thing I think. A lot of what what will come of this extension will depend on how he does this year, because you want to prove that 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 this season wasn't just a flash in the pan, but. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard to predict him having a down year playing alongside Austin Matthews, who scored 60 goals, and Mitch Marner, who was well on pace for 100 points last year. So um, I do agree that, you know, if you're giving him five to six million, somewhere in there, eight years is a little much. But I would be more than happy locking him up for eight years if it was like four or 4.5. Yeah. Be totally happy with that. All right, boys. We have a big game tonight uh, with the Leafs in Montreal to take on the Habs. There's a game? There is what? a game. Oh, wow. There's some puck drop no, going I'm still on. Still recovering in... from the Blue Jays. I'm still recovering from our first round loss last year, guys. <laughs> I'm still recovering from the first day I ever cheered for the Leafs in 20... 2005. Any Toronto franchise, any Toronto franchise, they let us down continuously. But before we get to a little breakdown of the, the game tonight, uh, just a quick word from our sponsors here at Indie Alehouse. They're our lead sponsor. They're the drink of the podcast. They will be here all season long for you to enjoy a nice nice beer over at Indy Ale House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang? 
What better way to do it than to, with a nice cold one from the folks at Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, and Boroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Kiel and Dundas, with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA, which we have right here, and dozens of rotating monthly specials, special release beers. They will have a hockey one coming up in the next coming months. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA or Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Just on that note, I will give a shout-out and say from personal experience, this Marco Polo Italian pilsner is very good. I'm, uh, I, I didn't even know which one I grabbed. I just took one of the beers and started <laughs> drinking. <laughs> um, but it tastes good. I'm more of a lager pilsner guy personally, so this one is mine. Uh, shout out to my mom, who is probably watching right now. She's an IPA fan. So, uh, Indie Ale House, mom, that's your, next, that's your next venture there. There you go. There you go. And you can shop them at www.indiealehouse.com. Uh, like I said, lots of options. Uh, they have, like, cherry sours. They have all kinds of drinks. Ooh. I'm a guy who's tried over 800 different beers. From, and I've been to 39 different breweries, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, you name it, I've been to some breweries. You walk into every bre- any brewery in Canada and ask if they know Andrew Forbes, they'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. he was in on Thursday. That's right. You got a brewery right. passport, too, as well? Or What's that? You got a passport, too, for that? Or Oh, yeah. You know I do. You know I do. <laughs> on my phone, I've got every single one that I've tried. It's in my phone. Oh, He's got, like, a fast-track pass so you can skip the line at the brewery. That's <laughs> regular. Yeah, it's brought to you by Disney as well. No, <laughs> All right, all right, boys. Uh, tonight, the Leafs and Habs, one of the biggest rivalries in Maple Leafs uh, hockey, going down in Montreal. There's a lot to talk about here. Lots to unfold. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, really. Um, here, I know where to start. Go Montreal Canadiens didn't win a single game in preseason. Do what you will with that information. Yeah. I don't want to. Alex, <laughs> Alex is convinced right now that with no wins in preseason, as we've seen with Robertson, preseason counts. That the Leafs are going to lose tonight, probably five nothing. No, 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 not five nothing. They're going to lose two one and get. They're going to outshoot Montreal like sixty to twenty or something like that. I'm going to put a different spin on that. Dennis Mulligan, four goal game, losing overtime, just like Ottawa. Massa Matthew. This is actually on this day in 2016 is when Matthews made his debut. There so, you go. And listen, one I'm the fifth crispy, of the way the there. Crisp- one fifth of the way to the twenty goal mark. The J- crispy remark. This being the day, Dennis Mulligan, four goal game. Let's see it. Just to get this out of the way, I am not by any means a pessimistic Leafs fan. I just I know what to expect from this hockey team. And I know that, I mean, this is the same team that we watched lose to a Zamboni driver. <laughs> like that you can, you can, you can, uh, you can put them out there against a literal, literal ice squad of pylons and they'd probably find a way to lose. Why? So I don't want to speak that into the universe. I just, I, I know Leafs fans out there will agree with me that this is something that it's like a, it's an annoying bug in your ear that you can't get rid of. You try to, you want to be as optimistic as possible, but at the same time, there's that little thing in the back of your mind saying, Hey, 1967. don't forget who you're cheering for, buddy. You're a Leafs fan. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, we, I'm so we all numb to that in 1967. Oh, I'm so numb to it. Well, we all write for the hockey writers. It seems to be yeah. the, the the key comment on every every Leafs piece that we do is 1967. Um, take it for what you will. It's probably one of the oldest insults to come back our way. But Peter, while I let Alex gather his thoughts about tonight's game, what are your thoughts on the Leafs Montreal puck drop at seven o'clock? Ah. Uh. Again, new season for both teams. One, obviously, going a different direction. The other, you know, looking still in the rebuilding phase. I mean, Montreal is playing a lot of their top names. You know, Caden Gooley, uh, Arbor Zekai, who had a fantastic camp. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, then again, watching him with Hamilton last season, winning that Memor- uh, not Memorial Cup, but that OHL championship, he looked fantastic. And I think he's going to be a big piece for them in the near future. Um, yeah, I... I Again, it's all a learning curve for Montreal right now. And I know that I have family who listen to Montreal, so shout out to them. Uh, I, I do expect Montreal to put up a fight this season. Obviously, again, you don't know if they're going to be eyeing for a playoff spot. That's not realistic. They're still going to be at the bottom. Who knows what's going to happen? Stranger things have happened. But with the Maple Leafs, you want to come out with the, you know, you want to come out with a bank. You want to show that you're the top team. You want to show that the acquisitions that you made are going to be a key factor going this season. We talked about the fourth line of the depth acquisitions. I'm not going to talk about Cali Yarncroft because I've talked about him nonstop. <laughs> uh, but Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, that's going to be the key for them. I mean, it, it, it's interesting how, like, when those acquisitions or, like, transactions happen, everyone was already writing off the Maple Leafs. You know, missing out on the playoffs, just ma- making the playoffs. They don't know what's going on. Now you see three games, all by small sample, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov playing relatively well. Maple Leafs get 920 save percentage Matt Murray and maybe 910 save percentage Ilya Samsonov. Again, you don't know what's going to happen, but if that's the best case scenario for the Maple Leafs and you have solid goaltending compared to what we saw with one goaltender getting most of the starts, having that 60-40 balance between the two, I think is going to work out. So if they're going to rely heavily on the Maple Leafs this season, it's going to start with Matt Murray. And I already got a lot of heat for this, saying that Matt Murray, as a bold prediction, can be a best in the finalist. People, he, people on Twitter don't know what a bold prediction yeah. is, dude. I, I'm just, I'm just Jack Campbell's going to be a best in the finalist, dude. Didn't you get yeah. I mean, let's not get into that. But uh, if Murray has the season that he's supposed to have, Maple Leafs are going to go far. They're going to have a strong regular season. They're going to have a strong playoffs. And again, I'm not trying to jump the gun to playoffs right now, but that is going to be best case scenario. So let's see what's going to happen. That's going to be the key for me is the goaltending, and it's going to be the key all season, no matter what. Alex, your thoughts on tonight's opening game for the Maple Leafs and Habs? First thought that comes to mind is if you are if you are the type of person that likes to dabble into the gambling world, hammer first NHL goal for Yaroslav Slavkovsky or Arbor Jacki. One of them is happening yeah. tonight. I don't care. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> or uh, Jonathan Kovacevic. I don't know if he has he scored his first NHL goal yet or not, but... You can always – I still remember when Nikita Sherbach scored his first goal against the Leafs. I mean, doesn't matter in hindsight because he's not in the NHL anymore. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you can generally bet on the Leafs allowing a first NHL goal to anyone. But anyways, now that I've gotten that out of the way, um, I just – the one thing I think the Leafs need to do tonight if they, need to, if they want to win their season opener is they can't start slow. Yeah. They cannot they, – they are a notoriously slow-starting team. There have been games in the past, of course, where they've come out flying and they've looked really good. Obviously, game one against Tampa Bay, great example of that. But in the past, they have been known to start slowly, allow an early goal, 
maybe a couple of goals and then be like, okay, we got to turn it on. And that's when they turn it on. Excuse me. They need to come out guns blazing tonight. They need to, I mean, help Montreal is a team where I think most of their fans are hoping they finish in last place. Anyways, this is the Connor Bedard draft here. So who's he? Sir? Who's he? Mm-hmm. Who's he? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Him. No, never heard of Connor Bedard before. I mean, yeah, you're an Adam Fantilli guy anyways. Um, but either way, you know, Montreal's in a, they're in an obvious rebuilding year. One where they there's no expectations for them, especially not in a stacked division like the Atlantic. But it doesn't matter how good or bad the Montreal Canadiens are. The one thing you can always bank on them for is wanting to beat the Leafs. They, yeah. So you know they are going to come out tonight. They're going to be hard on the forecheck. They're going to be doing everything that they can. They don't have the same skill as the Leafs have. So I think it's just one of those things where they have to, they absolutely have to, uh, they have to, they can't start slow. I don't know yeah. how else to word that. They just, mm-hmm. and they got a game tomorrow night as well. Great way to ensure that you at least split a doubleheader or a back-to-back game is to win the first game. I'm just looking at the chat right now. We we haven't been looking at the comments this whole time, have we? No, this is this is kind of <laughs> rolled in the last 10 minutes here, but Mark VDL on Facebook That's here. That's my old roommate. So he's saying if Toronto works as hard as Montreal tonight, they can win 8 nothing. That's right. I agree with that, Mark. Yep. So there yep. you go, Mark. There you go. Um, he says 35 <laughs> safe shutout for Jake Allen and Gummer. <laughs> He's one of my good buddies. We share a very similar brain on Hey, if like he this, does, so. I've got Jake Allen in, in fantasy, so I'll take the 35 <laughs> save shutout. Um, he also said pale ales are the call tonight, boys. Amber ales are a good call, too. Um, gentlemen, tonight is going to be a big game. It, and, and you said you said it, uh, Alex. They've got to start off hot. If, if the Leafs, Leafs come out as they have notoriously started off slow, they're going to be in trouble. This is not the same Montreal Canadiens team from yeah. years past. Nick Suzuki's got the C on his jersey now. He's ready to prove himself. Oh, yeah. Cole Caulfield is a totally different player from last season uh, under under Martin St. Louis. Martin St. Louis, he's not about creating plays. He's about letting players play and make the plays. If you're good enough to be in the NHL, you're good enough to make those plays under your own understanding of the game. So with that in mind, the Leafs have to take this game tonight. They have to. They have yeah. to start off big. Sounds then like you've a got San- game that they need to it's, win. A, it's a must, it's win, a must game. win game. They're not game getting one. out of the first round if they don't <laughs> but, win tonight. But all 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 yeah. offseason, all you've heard is how we've learned from last season, how we've learned from the previous seasons. That's what we heard the year before. That's what we heard the year before. So they have and that's why I'm saying you have to you have to start off on a good note. Tomorrow you have Washington. You've got Sam Snob going up against uh, his former club. It's gonna be an emotional game. Obviously, you want to get this one out of the way. Get the first W out of the way, then you can kind of sit back and relax a little bit and and know that. You know, you're not going to start the year off 0 and 2, right? And that's that would be that would be a abys- I mean, I mean, it's early, but that would be abysmal for the Leafs to start off 0 and 2. Oh, 100. percent And you know, you can make an argument that them coming home tomorrow and opening up and Samsonov starting against his old his old team. And also, I got to make a note right now. It's pronounced Samsonov based on what he said in the vi- in the video the Leafs posted. So I've been calling him Sans- Samsonov all summer. So yeah. got to put that to rest. Yes. <laughs> Ilya Samsonov, um, he's going to be facing off against his old team tomorrow. You can make an argument that they're going to want to put up a good performance in front of their home fans. And Samsonov's obviously going to want to, you know, show his old team that they made a mistake letting him go the way they did. But it's, it, it, you know, it's the second half of a back-to-back. So best way you can ensure that this back-to-back isn't a total waste, play tonight against a team that's supposed to be in the bottom three in the league. Absolutely, absolutely. You want to? Mark is setting us up for a bunch of rapid fire questions here. You want to? Uh, you want to fire through rapid these fire. real quick? 
Sure, absolutely. Let's. Uh, so, what do we got here? We got. Do you see bunting stick around sixty points, uh, or will there be a, a regression? No regression. No. I don't know how you take a. Re- yeah, I don't know how you take a step back playing alongside Austin Matthews yeah. and Mitch. Martin. Yeah, no. I I, I honestly yeah. believe he'll be around the 70, 75 point mark, and I think that's going to be a successful year for him. He won't um, get sixty points. He'll get fifty nine. Jeez. Peter, always got to be different. Uh, he'll, 50, 40 of those 59 points will be goals. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, will you see 35-plus points from Timothy Lilligren? Yes. Mm, I'm going to say no just because he's missing the first half of the, or the first month of the season, but I think he'd be on pace for that. I could see him finishing with 30 points. I think, yeah, I think a 30-point season for Lilligren yeah. is a success. It's a step forward in the right direction. 30, Remember, yes, yeah. he's still still very early in his development as well. So yeah. um, how much of a step will Abruzzese take this year? Ooh. Again, I, I thought he looked really great in the preseason. Um, obviously, competition, him, because of the fact that he, he can play both center and wing, he's got that versatility. But I think right now, the depth that they have, it's going to be tough for him to crack. It's easier going to be for Robertson because there's going to be a top six spot with his name on it. Depth-wise, there are going to be other names like Alex Steves, McMahon, other ones that need to sh- that may have been quite as equal, but that's just me. Uh, David McSween says he's uh, he's good with 50 points on a line with Matthews and Marner. No, Bunting, no, I so. think David's saying that he could put up 50 points on a line with Matthews and Marner. <laughs> Depends on how you want to take it, I guess. Yeah, well, I, 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 that's the way that I'm taking. Okay, it. all right. I think, I, well, tr- David, I'd love to see it sometime. I can't. I, I can't really it. disagree. I think I would put up 50 points on a line. Yeah, of yeah. one or two. I would just park myself in front of the net, and any loose puck, I'd just be swinging at. Yep. Anyways, boys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna close to closing it out here. Um, as always, we have a little heavy stuff to talk about at the end of this show, and. Uh, before we do, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to open up a beer here because I always have to drink when I'm talking about this stuff. It's just, uh, it's, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't, I don't like talking about it. You guys know my stance on it. Um, the Ian Cole stuff and the Hockey Canada stuff. So uh, Ian Cole obviously is suspended right now from uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning pending an investigation on uh, some accusations that have come out regarding past uh, sexual assault. Um I don't, I, don't, I don't really have – to me, that's the, the right move to suspend him. I hope there is a full-fledged investigation. I hope it's not just the NHL doing it. Um, aside from that, I don't know if there's anything you guys want to add to that. Believe yeah. victims. That's all I have yeah. to add, really. You know, yeah. like, I saw some people taking shots at the person who put that tweet out because it came from an anonymous account, and that's just not the right way to be looking at it. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a – there seems to be a – like a vibe around the people who, who, who rushed to believe the jump the gun, yeah, jump the yeah. gun and rush to, you know, call out a fake accusation or something like that. And I just think that when you look at how small the percentages of, of sexual assault cases that have actually t- turned out to be proven false accusations versus the amount that probably never came to light because there just wasn't enough evidence to convict. I feel like there's a little bit, not a little, but I feel like there's a massive gap between those two things right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it, it's important that the Lightning keep Cole suspended. And obviously, if it, if the inve- when the investigation comes out, I think I, I think they'd be best off just cutting him. You know, I, I hear a lot of things about how, that like, there are cash grabs. These are victims, like, just girls just looking for cash grabs, which I don't understand. Even if you were doing that, why are you picking Ian Cole, of all players? And Cole is a guy that, you know, you got you to gotta remember as well. This guy... 
was involved in an affair with the ringside reporter of one of his former teams. I'm just saying it doesn't it doesn't look good for him. And I, I, I truly hope that the people who are involved with this investigation look at it from the victim's point of view. Obviously, it took her six years to get the courage to speak up about it. And you hear that you see the way that trolls talk about victims online and how it's always about a cash grab or something along the lines of that. And I, it, it always makes me sick to my stomach, especially as someone who's got a younger sister. I just I hope that, you know, for once, hockey gets it right. And I hope that the investigation, if nothing else, brings victim for the or, sorry, brings justice for the victim, because that's the most important thing here. And whether like. Whether whether or not it impacts the lightning should not be an issue, should not even be a talking point here. I think yeah. victim is priority number one, and I, I hope the NHL and whoever gets hired to investigate this situation takes all the appropriate steps to ensure that there is justice for the victim. Peter, I'm going to move this along a little bit and just throw you uh, Hockey Canada. Yeah. Um, obviously, big news came out that the uh, Scott Smith and the entire board, uh, while Scott Smith was removed as CEO and president and the board stepped down, um, your thoughts on the Hockey Canada news <laughs> It took them like six, seven months to do the right thing. I mean, it, it also took a number of their top partners and sponsors to pause or withdraw completely everything in order for this to happen. I, I mean... It, money, I money over right and wrong. Exactly. It's sad that money prioritizes the, like, the morality and ethics of doing the right thing. Like, I'm still boggled by that because this should have happened right when the accusations came out, the hush money funds, the second accusation in 2003. It, it, it was just compiling to this point, and it came down to everybody, the hockey community, the prime minister, everybody saying, change now. And, and the big thing was, was the Bauer 1-2, World Juniors, TSN, Canadian Tire, all of them had to withdraw. And then now we're now we're going to do the right thing and say that you know what we want really we want change to happen. Obviously, you want change to happen because they're not getting any money right now. But I'm it, it needed to be done. I'm just disappointed that it took this long. I'm gonna, I'm going to kind of counter something you said to open your your point and say the right thing hasn't been done yet because that's true. Yeah, there's yep. there's far too many questions that still sit on us will hover over hockey Canada. How is the mm-hmm. new board going to be appointed? Who's going to be doing the appointment? Yeah. Um, were there payoffs for Scott Smith to step down for board members? Was there severance for them to step yeah. down, follow the money. And that's, that's the thing for me is that this is, this is far from over. Um, oh, yeah. if, if you're, if you're the provincial branches right now of, of hockey Canada, you're not putting your, your participants funds back in. If you're, if you're, you know, Tim Hortons, if you're Canadian tire, if you're, Tell us if you're any of those sponsors, you're not putting your funding back in until there's a full-fledged investigation as to why this happened. You have you where see the happened, plan that they're doing, and there's accountability. Yeah, there's yeah. transparency. There's been no accountability. No so accountability. Yeah. Like the it, board members were allowed to step down. Were allowed to step down to make them look like they were doing the right thing. Absolutely not. They, no. they like they were not doing anything close to the right thing. And you said it's six, seven months that this has been going on. It goes far beyond that. It goes back Years. to 2003. 2003. Yeah. It, goes, it probably goes beyond that. I mean, the, the second slush fund was opened in 1989. So take that into that account. That raises some big questions. Take that into account, figure it out, ask the right questions, and then come back with what you're going to do next. Yeah. And then you can start talking about getting funding back to Hockey Canada. I think, yeah. I, you know what? It, it's just one of those things where you – 
I think the three of us all came up playing in the Hockey Canada system. We all played hockey growing up. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to, to think about where our parents' money was going all this time, it, it, I think it's a little it's, it's a little bit of a reality check for all of us. And it, it makes me sick to think about it, honestly. So I agree with you guys to fully to the full extent that it's, it, it is, you know, unfortunate that it took this long. But sadly, when you're dealing with big corporations like this, ultimately money is going to be the deciding yeah. factor. So it's sad, but it's it, a reality. It, it is sad. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's sad, but I am, I will say that at the very least, I'm grateful that we have gotten to this point. There's Where a start. This, yeah, There's yeah. a start. It's a start. Yeah. And it's a start that should have happened. Like you said, six, seven months ago, but better now than never. I mean, it was just what, two, three weeks ago where Andrea, Andrea Skinner was saying that she would grade her and her entire board in eight, the way they've handled it. And, you know, you look back at that and the way that people, the way that they were talking about themselves and, and that comment that Andrea Skinner made about who's going to keep the lights on. It's like, you, the, the lights, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. are going to go off. Yeah. Oh, no. How are we going to play hockey now that Andrea Skinner's not on the board of directors? Like, it's, it's just... Shove, yeah, shove it. Honestly, yeah. Like, I think, I, I think, I'm glad that Hockey Canada has, sorry, the board directors of Hockey Canada have come to their senses Maybe I don't even think they came to their senses. I think they just saw how much money they were losing and said, okay, yeah. this company is going under if we don't step down now. So mm-hmm. it's a good start, but I still think the whole foundation needs to be burned down and rebuilt from the ground up. Yeah. With the right people in place. Money money over ethics, money over ethics, money always over ethics in these situations. Gentlemen, anything else you wanted to throw out there before we close out our episode? Go Leafs, go. Season kicks off. We're finally here. Beautiful. As always, guys, we are live tonight. 22 Front Street at the bottom line in the locker room studio. Um, this is hopefully going to be happening once a month. I, I believe we, we came to an agreement here. Um, but it's uh, very nice to sit down with you guys. Uh, as always, you can follow Alex on uh, Twitter at Media. You can follow Peter at P. Barracchini. Or you can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. You can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E 6-I-X-P-O-D. Or you can just hit us up on any of the streaming services and uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on it. Or if you're in the area, we're going to be at bottom line throughout the entire game tonight. We're going to be sitting here and watching the Leafs game. Until come down and done. buy us a drink. <laughs> we're, we're struggling. We're allowed to come here if you buy we're us strugg- a drink. We're struggling artists. Yeah. Um, no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be here until 10 around then. So if you're in the Toronto area, we'd love to meet you. Come down, say hi, watch some Leafs hockey. And- celebrate hockey being back absolutely absolutely with that guys we're out here at the bottom line episode 98 stay with us next week for episode 99